Welcome to another episode of Coding Conversations with Terrence and Kevin. Today's date is a uh, 30th of March, 2021. And today we have an interesting episode for you. Uh, we're going to be talking about where to find programming resources if money is scarce and a couple of other subjects. So to start it off, <clears throat> if people don't really have money to get into uh, coding, for example, say they don't have a computer or they don't have programming books, things of that nature where would you suggest that they start looking like how would they get into this if they don't really have the money um well when i was when i was going to school and i was like learning python we touched on some python in in one of my classes um the the school had computers right they had computers and they had uh, also so a few programming books on python and stuff um, let's say if, if you are in school, uh, I would say you try to find their li their library and use their, their computers and resources to at least like learn the basics. And then if somebody isn't in school and they're, you know, uh, and they still don't have like a computer or they don't have, uh, the money to buy books, the library is also a good, uh, resource, right? You can sign up for a library card. Um, they, they have computers that you can use, um, and they also have some books on, on programming, like web development. They might not be the, the newest books out there, but it's a, it's a good start. Right. Yeah. And you know, if worse comes to worse, you can always use your phone to, and use an online interpreter if you really have no other option. And, you know, the good thing about this industry is... Uh, aside from the computer, everything else is pretty much free. So, like, if you just do a web search for free programming books, you're going to get a ton of links and ton of options to really get you started. And the another good thing is that, you know, there's interactive coding sites that are free, like Free Code Camp, if you want to learn how to make websites and or the code wars for data structures and algorithms. There's, mm -hmm. there's like so many free resources that, you know, there's really no barriers to this industry except your willingness to spend the time learning this material. Right. So like what, what, have, what have been some of your uh, favorite free resources? Um, code Academy. I started off with Code Academy. I really enjoyed that. Uh, it gave me a as a beginner, I felt like Code Academy, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure how it is now, but at least back when I, was, when I started learning, um, it gave you like the top. It gave you a programming language. You picked that language, and then it would sort of uh, give you uh, tutorials on like how to write, how to set a variable in JavaScript, how to how to set like a uh, like how to how to do math, right? How to how to make a string, how to combine two strings together, and then if you messed up or you missed a semicolon, it wouldn't um, like normally for like in the real world, if you miss a semicolon or you you try to combine like a number with a with text or something, you'll get a weird result, right? Like something will be weird in the console, like it'll say you're missing a semicolon or you're missing right. parentheses or a bracket. Uh, Code Academy doesn't just give you that, but they would give you like valuable feedback. Like, hey, it looks like you're missing this or, hey, this doesn't look right. Try changing it 
uh, to look more like this example here. The the feedback that they give you is a lot more uh, easier to uh, debug for a beginner than it would be to uh, just like write a program and try to run it from the console. Right. Yeah, that's that was one of the sites that I uh, used when I first got into the industry and. Now, uh, free code camp that really seems like the go-to resource because their programs seem like really elaborate and in-depth. Yeah, a, a lot of people that um, that I would meet at meetups would do free free code camp, and it takes you from the basics of you know HTML, CSS, and it they from what I could tell, they walk you through how to make a web page, how to style a web page, how to add JavaScript and use that to animate the web page and stuff. So if you want to get into web development, um, it's really it's really a good resource. And they also get into data structures and algorithms too. So how how, how far would you say these free resources can take you? Like, will, would they be able to get you a job if you uh, use only free resources? Um, I don't think so. No, um, there's uh, I heard something once like a long time ago. I forget the YouTube channel um, his name, but he I think it's called Code Phase, and he made a reference once like you know I'm doing all these tutorials, you know, and and by me completing all these tutorials and having all these like toy projects on my on my GitHub or my portfolio, um, you know, why aren't why aren't job why why am I not getting any jobs, you know? And um, uh, he, he said that by doing all these tutorials, you're in like tutorial heaven, right? You feel good because you, so, you can have somebody hold your hand through a project, right? From start to finish. Right. Um, and so I, like, I, I say all that to say, in some cases, tutorials are only gonna take you so far. Free resources are only gonna take you so far. You have to step outside of that free resource, whatever it may be, and start to build your own personal projects that are uh, different than what you're used to, um, because that's where the real challenges are going to be. Right. Yeah, I think free resources are good to get you started, to teach you the basics of programming, to help you deploy a web page. But like you say, you're going to have to take all of that knowledge and deploy your own websites. And I would say, like, once you get in the industry, don't be afraid to pay for quality knowledge because you don't want to waste a bunch of time filtering through, you know, all of this, you know, lower quality information. Just because it's free doesn't necessarily mean it's lower quality, but, you know, a lot of times paid information, it condenses everything you need to know. Like you don't have to search through a bunch of right. stuff. It's just there for right. you. So, like in terms of paid resources, what are some of your uh, more your favorite sites in regards to that? Uh, Udemy. There's definitely courses on Udemy. If you want to pay for a course, um, spend spend a couple of dollars, get some courses on Udemy. Um, I, I swear by Maximilian. Um, I forget his his last name. It's it's difficult for me to pronounce. He goes by Acade Mind. A C A D E. M I D M I N D, excuse me, um, and he he has he has courses on almost I want to say everything, but he has a lot of courses that cover uh, web development, JavaScript, uh, uh, 
mobile app development like like uh, React and I think Flutter. I could be I could be wrong, um, but he he covers a lot of of different uh, topics. If you're interested in paying for some material, um, th those are video courses. Uh, and uh, as far as books, I would say like Cracking the Coding Interview ha has been pretty good for me so far. Um, a little, a little tough to digest, but I'm, I'm getting the hang of it. Um, and then if you're a beginner and you want to get like your, your depth of knowledge in, in a language, um, like let's say for example, JavaScript, uh, there's this, there's a book series called you don't know JS by Kyle Simpson. It's free on online. And also you can pay for it. Um, by like actually buy, by physically buying the books, I, I went out and bought the books. And um, so those those two resources are pretty good as far as like paying for something. Uh, what about you? What, what do you think? What are your top? Yeah, like you say, uh, Udemy is they pretty much have anything you could really want there and you can get most of the courses for $10 if you look for a coupon or, you know, you wait for a sale. So yeah, Udemy for SQL. I like this site called Vertebello Academy, V-E-R-T-A-B-E-L-O Academy. And it's an interactive resource to learn SQL. So, you know, it gives you the database and it allows you to, it, it tells you to query, do this specific query. And it tells you if your query is right or not. So just that ability to interact with the the database and get instant feedback that's really helpful in learning sql um in terms of books i usually go with uh as of recently manning books m-a-n-n-i-n-g uh they have like a ton of uh, great books but their books are more so for the intermediate developer because they really go in depth on the subject um let me see what else is a good one uh, head first like if you're more so a beginner uh, I would recommend a head first series of books like head first design patterns or head first JavaScript, head first C sharp, because they use a lot of pictures and they, you know, they make it really easy to digest. Mm -hmm. So like, what would you say um, these books and, you know, these paid resources, how, how, how have they elevated your game above just like seeking out the free stuff? Um, Well, it. I, I like to think of it like this: uh, when you spend money on something, you you want to get the most out of it, right? Like it's it's a right. it's a different feeling. It's almost like putting your money where your mouth is. Like, okay, I've gone, I bought this book, I bought this course. Um, it's been like sitting on my desk uh, for like, for example, cracking the coding interview. I, I purchased that book uh, around December. I got it for Christmas. And, um, and I've, I've slowly been chipping it away, but there's definitely like days will go by and like, I'll peek at the book. It'll be sitting on my desk and I'll be like, dang, I have to read this book because I've invested money into it. Um, and I can't, I can't let, I can't let that go to waste. So, um, like actually purchasing something and versus just getting a free resource, it, it feels different. It, it's, it's almost like an obligation to to crack crack open a book, crack, crack open a course and be like, all right, I'm going to physically, I'm going to do this. I'm going to actually do this. 
Right, exactly. And I also believe, you know, with the paid resources, uh, a lot of times it's like really focused on a specific subject, you know. It's like, for example, the Vertebello Academy, if you really want to learn SQL, it's, it's going to be hard to find free stuff that matches the quality of uh, instruction that you get over there. So you got to kind of think about it like this. Um, yeah, you can try to cheap out and only go for the free stuff, or you can invest, invest in yourself and, you know, the little bit of money that you spend on these courses or whatever, you're going to make way more than that in a year or two once you've mastered this material. So say, for example, I spent $1,000 on courses and books this year. I could easily turn it to tens of thousands of dollars in a couple of years. So, you know, that's why I, um, I really do recommend investing in yourself and not just sticking with the free stuff, but the free stuff is good to get on your feet. Yeah. And, uh, you said you work in you work primarily in Angular, right? For ASP. Well, right now uh, my job is primarily as an Angular developer, front end development. But you know the company, their back end stack is ASP.NET Core, so I've been spending a lot of time uh, trying to teach myself that, and uh, I've been reading ASP.NET Core in act uh, in actions, the second edition for Manning and. Yeah, it's been pretty good, but it's it's very uh, in depth. So I'm still digesting that. I've actually finished reading through it one time, but I think I'm gonna have to go through like different chapters on any spe you know on the on the different specific subjects mm -hmm. to really uh, ingrain it in my mind. So do you, do you recommend instead of just like trying to blast through a, a book or like, like finish a book quickly? Do you recommend taking time with with the materials that, that you're purchasing? Like how I, how I usually like to do things is I usually just kind of read through the book the first time with the knowledge that I'm not going to memorize or I might not necessarily understand anything. I just kind of force myself to go through the book. And what this does is this gives me a broad perspective of, okay, so this is the breadth of this subject. You know, ASP.NET Core has controllers. You know, I have to deal with a database. It kind of gives me a big picture view and then on subsequent readings, that's when I can really refine my knowledge and understanding. But if I try to like understand everything the first time through, I'm gonna just sit there and spend like days on a chapter and then, you know, you just end up getting frustrated and you stop mm -hmm. reading, you know? How about you? What is, what is your approach? Uh, I, I, took, I took an opposite approach. Uh, at least right now I am with, um, with CTCI, Cracking the Coding Interview. Um, I'm, I do read through the chapter. I read through it and I take notes on it. And then uh, a majority of my time is going over the notes that I took for that chapter. Let's say I'm going over uh, something like Big O, right? Or stacks or a data structure, for example, like a stack. Um, I, I take notes on the chapter. What, what is a stack? How is a stack used? What are the functions of a stack? And then uh, once I'm done reading that chapter, I'll I'll sort of just go through my notes, and and the notes will be the repetition of okay, how do I write it out? How is it used? What's the benefits of it versus a queue or something else, um, uh, like a queue or a linked list or, or another data structure, right? Uh, 
Um, right. And so, and, and, you know, in contrast to what you were saying, like reading the entire book and then going through it uh, again, or, or, or going into it again, section by section, depending on what you want to brush up on. Uh, I feel like the, I feel like I only move on to another section of the book once I feel like I have a good grasp of the chapter that I read. Yeah. Right. So, you know, that's kind of interesting. Like we are two completely different approaches to doing the same thing, but we're both learning the material. So I think it's important for developers to learn like what works for them, yeah. you know? And that only really comes to experimentation. You have to try things out and see, okay, yeah, this is for me, this isn't for me. Nobody can really just give you the ABC one, two, three game, mm -hmm. game plan. That's gonna work for everybody. Yeah. Okay, so on a no, oh, go I was ahead. just gonna uh, put one final note. Um, yeah, don't don't be afraid to like try it. Like oh, that doesn't that sounds too hard. Like this sounds like uh, tedious or boring. Try it and see if it it works for you, right? Like I, I didn't think that that uh, like flashcards, right? I use flashcards um, and and notes for. Um, to study my data structures and algorithms. And I, I didn't think that it would work until I uh, went to my whiteboard and started writing something out. And then it, I realized, oh, wow, I'm, this stuff is really sinking in. I'm actually getting it. So um, if, if you don't think something might not work for you, try it. And then if it doesn't work, then you know that you can cross that off and then keep moving on until you find something that works for you. Exactly. Now, on a slightly different note, uh, here's an interesting situation. Um, say, for example, imagine you're a brand new developer, like you spent uh, months looking for a new job, and then a company takes you on, say, for uh, 60K. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this was the first company to accept you after, you know, you spent months interviewing and getting right. rejected. And then, you know, you work, you, you like everything about the job. The people are cool. You like what you're doing. But then a month later, another company comes in and they offer you 75K. Would you stick with the original company or are you going to jump uh, to the other company that's offering a higher salary? Okay. So I'm three months into my new job. Is that, that correct? I'm three months into my new job. Uh, okay. One, one to three months. Okay. One to three months, so I'm fairly new. I'm uh, fairly right. new, probably barely past my probation period. Um, got a new job. Somebody comes in and says, "Hey, we'll offer you seventy-five k." Um, right. Hmm. It, the, there's a lot of there's a lot of factors, right? Like, let's say, are they is the new job trying to get you to come into the office anytime soon. I know that some people are trying to, some places are opening up soon and, and maybe they want you to come into the office. Maybe they did, it's not a fully remote, remote position. I would look into that. Um, see what kind of benefits they, they're offering. Try to compare benefits. Um, let me think what else. I, I would compare benefits. I would compare if, if they want you to work on-site versus remote. And, and on the, I'm gonna play devil's advocate here and say like, 
hey, if you like the job already and, and this is your first gig in, in, in the industry, stick with the, the 60K job. If you like right. it and you're doing fine, then stick with it. There's no reason to switch up. Because if you're just going to leave for the money, then uh, what if you leave? Let, let's say let's say you left, or I left, I should say. Let's say I left, and then I go to this new job, and I'm earning 75K, but I don't last a month, or I don't last two months. Because the workload right. is, is, is different, the team isn't as helpful, or, uh, or I'm just not getting along with my team, or they're too busy to help me, and I can't figure things out on my own. It's uh, it, you're taking that gamble when you switch uh, jobs, when you jump from from job to job, and uh, I would say, you know, in a year, in in a year or maybe even two, like that that seventy five k that you jumped for, you could you not I want to say you can double it, but you can get like a twenty to thirty percent raise in uh, by switching to. Uh, a, a different job after getting the experience right. from this first job. Yeah, that's kind of how I look at it. Like your first job, you know, you're kind of vulnerable in the industry because you see how hard it was to get in the industry. So, like, if a company gave you your first shot, I would say at least, you know, show them some modicum of loyalty because somebody put themselves on the line hiring you or bringing you in. So, if as soon as, you know, they bring you in, get you hooked up with your computer and, you know, get you working, all of a sudden you're jumping to another company. Like, you kind of make them look bad, you know? And right. that's possibly burning a bridge. And like you said, you really don't know with this new company. Like, are you, do you, will you like the people over there? You know, is the workload manageable? Yeah. Are they going to take their time to, you know, accommodate a new developer because if you're getting paid more, they might be like, okay, yeah, you're getting paid more. So we want you to hit the ground running. Yep. We're not going to let you relax and experiment and, and get the, the, get your bearings. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, and like you said, you know, in a year or two after, you know, you've already, you've done something productive for the company, then you can really consider it. And yeah, you can make more than that 75 K. So, me personally, I probably would stick around, especially if I like the initial company, yeah. and just to show at least some loyalty for them uh, taking a chance on me. Right, and and I forgot to mention um, the technologies that you're working with. Right, maybe the company that you're work that you're currently at uh, doesn't have the hottest technology, but this new one might have cutting edge technology. Uh, right. It, you have to gauge, you know, how do you want the, how do you want your resume to look in two years or a year, right? Do you want to have, uh, you get your bearings, work with some older technology. For example, I work with like PHP and a little bit of uh, SQL and it's not the, it's not the hottest, but I know right. that in a year's time with my algorithms and data structures, once I get those down, if I wanted to switch to something else, I have, I have like react skills and I have JavaScript skills. So there's other things that you can do in the meantime to keep yourself job ready. And, and that way, even though 
you might not be working with the latest and greatest, you're still getting that experience uh, with working on a team and working with a company. So that makes you look good on your, on paper. And then you, you, uh, you keep the, you know, you you keep yourself sharp with this uh, new tech that way you're employable in the future. Right. And, you know, another thing to consider is, um, you know, if you're jumping in one or three months, you don't want to look like a flight risk to the next company, you know, because another company is going to ask you, uh, why, why, why were you only at this company for two months? Mm-hmm. And if you say, oh, well, this other company offered me more money, right. they're going to think, oh, do we really want to bring him on? Right. Because if some other company offers him a little more, is he just going to jump and leave in the middle of a project? Mm-hmm. You know, and you could decide to leave off that first job, but then they're going to ask you, uh, why is there an employment gap here? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you do have to really consider, you know, take everything into consideration. But how I look at it is the first two years for me were pretty much sacrifice years. Like I didn't, you may not necessarily get the exact salary you want or always work with the exact technology you want, but this is you getting your feet wet in the industry and you showing that, okay, I'm reliable. I can get things done. You know, I'm, I'm going to stick with with a company long enough to be productive here. And it's kind of like paying your dues. And, you know, once you pay your dues, then you say, okay, two years later, I've, I've contributed. And this, this current company I'm at, it doesn't really seem to be a whole lot of upward progress. So now I'm going to go ahead and see what these other opportunities have, you know. That's kind of like how I look at it. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so let's let's get into like the mentality of applying for these jobs. I know it can take a toll on a lot of people when you're applying, 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 and just getting rejected all the time. So how did how did you deal with it mentally? Um, I start off by saying like you got to have a support group. I've, I've probably already mentioned this in a past episode, but. I'm going to chime on it again, like having a support group, whether it's family or friends that are also applying for for developer jobs, or maybe even somebody not even in the tech industry, uh, just somebody that you can find uh, solace in, like that, that you can sort of say, okay, hey, I'm having a rough time. Do you want to hang out? Do you want to just uh, kind of cut it in and out? Sorry. I was just saying that. Uh, I was saying that it's good to have a a support group, whether it's family or friends, whether they be in the industry and have jobs or uh, not be related to the industry at all. And just to have somebody that is willing to uh, listen, right? Like if you're going through a rough time and you're you. You've been on a job search for six months, eight months, ten months, uh, you know, a year. Don't don't see that as a a um, as like a deterrent. Like, oh my gosh, I'm not I'm not getting interviews or I'm not passing interviews. I would I would look at that as you know, what am I doing wrong? Like every 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 fail, every rejection that you get, try to look at it as what am I doing wrong? And instead of like blindly applying, try to tailor 
your past rejections to build yourself up. Meaning that if my resume is just getting ghosted, why is it getting ghosted? Did I tailor my cover letter for a company the right way? Did I tailor my resume? Because you have to tailor your resume uh, for a position. It can't just be a generic resume for a bunch of positions because even when even if you get to, into HR's hands and you have like 20 different tech uh, uh, skills on your resume, they'll know, oh, they just they just bombarded the system and added all this tech to try and get past our uh, little program firewall thing. And then uh, it'll, it'll go right into the trash because no one's going to read all that. But if you tailor something specifically right. for the job that you want and say, OK, it's entry level. Uh, they want they want they want skills in JavaScript and they want skills in this library and blah, 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 X Y Z. If you can tailor your resume to look like something that is fit for the position that they're offering, you'll have a better chance uh, getting in. So um, I, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of going left field left field here, but to bring it back on, on center. Uh, have a support group take some time away i mean that's that's probably difficult for some for some people who like don't have a job and are like stressing to find one but i would say take some time to uh, to just be by yourself or to 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 distress and get back on your feet when when you have a clear head cuz blindly applying can definitely be a, a mental uh, headache right like how I had to look at it was you know one don't take it personal because you don't really know why this company rejected you it may not be that you're you're this so-called bad program it just may be that you know the person that got the job actually knew the person who's hiring right you know so in, in a lot of a lot of instances it's really a numbers game like the people that I know that got jobs, including me, we put in countless applications. So I had to actually play a game with myself. Like, oh, I'm gonna get ten failures today, you know. And like you, like you said, each of each one of those failures is gonna give you a new piece of uh, information that you can add to your repertoire. Like, what did I do wrong, you know? And it's especially good if the company that you interview with or send a resume to they gave you a bit of feedback like okay you don't have this particular skill so you can say okay well i need to learn about uh, sql because i don't have that on my resume mm-hmm. or you know you just I would, I would also say you know like you say like a support group you need people to look at what you're doing and tell you like, okay, yeah, you can improve in this way. You can improve in that way. So the good thing about a site like LinkedIn is there's a lot of people who are already where you where you want to be at. Right. So if you just send them a friendly message and say, hey, do you mind uh, taking a look at my uh, resume and seeing where I made any mistakes? Or do you mind taking like 15 minutes and can we do a mock interview? Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of this can start pointing out weaknesses in your game that you need to improve on. Exactly. Yeah. If you, especially if you reach out to people that work in companies that you're interested in working at, um, reach out to those people and ask them about what the, 
work-life balance is like, because you might think, oh, hey, it'd be great to work at this company. And then you apply, or before applying, you could reach out to somebody that and say, hey, I have a couple questions about X, Y, and Z. And then if they accept your request or you guys start a conversation, you can you can hear directly from somebody who's in the shoes that you want to be in and then uh, go from there. At, at the, that's how I got my first position where I had some questions about the tech stack and the work-life balance. And I reached out to the somebody in QA and then that person referred me to their uh, the, the tech lead at my current job and, and we got to talking and we took it from there. So you never know how just starting a conversation with somebody uh, can can benefit you or, or can can turn things around. So how exactly did you uh, like start up that conversation? Yeah. What would you like recommend somebody to do to get in touch with these people? Well, LinkedIn is pretty, pretty powerful. You can um, you can go on LinkedIn, you can search the for people that work at the companies that you can find the job page, right? By like, let's say I wanted to, if I was to say I, I wanted to see what the jobs were like at Sony, right? I can look up Sony Entertainment, I can look at the jobs and I can find, I can also look at the people that are under their, uh, that are associated with Sony through LinkedIn. And I can do one of two things. I can apply and I can also uh, send a message to somebody in, uh, that, that works for Sony and say, Hey, I see, I noticed you worked at Sony. I have a couple questions about their work-life balance and culture. Can we chat? And then just reach out to as many people as possible that that way you, you cast your net, right? Don't just, re don't just reach out to some one person. And then if they don't respond, they don't respond. Um, because you know, you don't know how often somebody checks their LinkedIn. Uh, right. And then also so that kind of, <laughs> That kind of falls in with not taking things personally, right. right? Like if they don't respond to you, you don't just get angry or feel like somebody's rejecting yeah. you. They just may be yeah. busy. Exactly, because we we never know what somebody else is doing on on the other end of the the invite or the chat message. Um, and yeah, don't don't take don't take it personal. If you're not a fit then you're just not a fit. Sometimes you'll get ghosted when applying for jobs. Sometimes you'll, uh, some people might not, not, might not even see your resume, right? They might not even pass the filter. And, uh, you know, it, it's a numbers game, but it's also, uh, it's building you up. You have to use every uh, application, every um, rejection, every conversation, that you have with somebody in the industry to try and build you up. And then eventually you'll get to that point where you built up that knowledge base, you built up the skills, you, you've had enough interview practice to finally crack uh, the interview and then get the offer. So how did you messaging, okay, you messaged a QA guy and the QA guy referred you to the yes. tech lead? Yes. And how did, how did that transition into you getting that first interview and eventually the um, job? By, by, by us having a conversation and I, I just had like, you know, super generic questions, like what kind of uh, 
programming languages they used and what kind of platforms they used. And um, that eventually transitioned into, well, let's, let's have a meeting face to face, right? Uh, I, I think that that right. offer was extended on his behalf. And I think just because he's a very, um, he's more outgoing, he's, he's more of an outgoing type of person and, and seeing somebody face to face is his personal preference versus just talking on the phone. Um, so I got kind of lucky there, but again, I wouldn't have known if I didn't reach out. And I think that's the, the key thing is to just reach out and see where things go. Right. Okay. And uh, did you have any other subjects you wanted to discuss tonight? Um, I did have a question about how, uh, how, what was it? For your resources, right? Let's, let's dial back on the, the resources thing. Um, so you, you started right. as a, what were some of your resources that you used to get started? And as a junior developer um, who doesn't have many resources, or let's say they do have money to spend on resources, what resources do you recommend mm -hmm. that they spend their money on? And two, oh. uh, when a junior reaches a mid-level developer position, do you recommend they build personal projects or do you recommend that they, um, that they work with their current company and just apply to jobs? How do you, how do you, how do you transition from junior to middle or junior to senior? Okay. So, you know, initially when, before you start spending some money, you really want to see like, this is the field for me. I really like what I'm doing. I want to really progress in this. So start off with the free stuff, like free code camp, me personally. And like for you, it was code Academy at mm -hmm. the time. And you could also use something like W3 schools to, you know, research certain subjects. That's another free resource. And, you know, once you're able to put up a web page, you, then you can start fine tuning this or that aspect of things. And that's where, you know, if you like what you're doing, then you can decide to start paying money. So what you have to do first and foremost, you have to really determine where do I want to get in? Like what technology do I want to use? Do I want to be primarily a front end guy, a back end guy, or even a full stat? And, you know, once you have that knowledge, say, okay, I want to be a front end guy. I want to use, you know, what, once you decide you want to be on the front end, then what framework should you choose? And in order to do that, you have to do a little bit of research. Okay, what are the most popular frameworks out now? Okay, React, Angular, and Vue. And then I would say experiment with all three of those frameworks to see which one clicks with you because you got to do what, what it takes to keep you building something. Like if you hate React, there's no point in you learning that frame, wasting all this time learning that framework initially. Uh, you know, if you love Angular, just go with Angular and stick with it and build out some sites with it. And, you know, that's going to be your portfolio and your portfolio is really going to help you secure that first job. You know, like these companies, they don't really care as much about, 
what specific technology you've learned initially as much as you actually deploying sites that they can see. Because with my first job, it was an Angular 2 job, and Angular 2 was in beta. So it's hard to, it was hard for anybody to really have any real experience in that. And my portfolio was in like Ruby on Rails using, you know, the, the mm -hmm. templates, the server side templates. So just for the fact that I was able to deploy the site, I was able to showcase to them like, if you if you bring me on, I'm, I would be able to learn this new technology, you know, but I demonstrated to them that I could deploy things on my own. And, you know, that's going to get you in the door. And once you start working for about a year or so, in the meantime, you should always be studying. And it all comes down to having a clear idea of where you want to take your career, right? So, okay, I want to, I want to be an excellent front-end guy. I really love React. So if that's the case, then what you do is you look for the best courses on React, you know, and you purchase those and you start going through them until you, you get a level of mastery. Like when I say purchase the courses and go through them, that doesn't mean just watch the video. That means go through the source code, you know, recreate the site. And then once you're done doing that, you need to try to, you know, deploy a site without any handholding, you know, something that's not in that tutorial, you know, put your own original twist on it. And, you know, in that process of you just studying hard and you deploying your own sites, you're going to have a level of mastery over that subject so that when you start getting those interviews in a year or two, you're going to be able to answer any question that they ask you pretty much, you know, because you've ingrained this knowledge firsthand by actually deploying the site. It's not like, oh, yeah, you're just memorizing random questions, you know. It's like I know this technology thoroughly. So if you ask me something, I can give you a clear answer and elaborate on it. And I would say for that second job, What's really important is, you know, you continue, you, you continuing to do stuff outside of work, you know, and you got to think like, okay, for my second job, I want to work with these technologies. So you have to spend that time outside of work, um, getting knowledge on those technologies so you can shift to, you know, that new set of technologies if your current job isn't using the technologies that you like. Did that uh, yeah. answer your question? Yeah. Thank you. And I'll say, you know, in terms of what should you work on, just work on something that's interesting to you. You know, that's the key. Like, you got to do things that keep you learning, that keep you programming. And the best way to do that is to work on stuff that interests you. And on that note, I think we covered a lot of good information today. And, well, we're out. Peace, people.